2: Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness, a company bringing you life-changing nutrition information. I'm Cassie Wienis, registered and licensed dietitian, and to all of you who are listening this morning, I am so glad you tuned in because we have a great hour in store for you. And I know of two people tuned in for sure this morning, and their names are Riley and Marissa, so good morning from mommy to both of you now, before I let you in on what this great hour is all about, I do need to introduce my colleague who is in studio with me today. Anna Durhock is a licensed nutritionist. She holds her master's in nutrition, and so she is a walking encyclopedia, <laughs> like I called her earlier before the radio started. She's just full of some great research, so we're going to be hearing about some of that today. And for those of you who don't know Anna, she sees clients at Nutritional Weight and Wellness at both our St. Paul and our Wayzata offices. She also teaches many of our classes, and most importantly, she is the mom of two and a half beautiful children. And I'll <laughs> let her explain that one half. Welcome, Anna.
0: Uh, thanks, Cassie. I love being on. So, um, And the half part is I am eight months pregnant, so... And like I said to you, if you're at all like me, you just might have the baby this morning if you want to go a little early. That's right. Um, But I just wanted to give a nice shout out to my two beautiful girls, um, Isabel and Genevieve. Thanks for listening and my husband, Russ. Um, But
2: Cassie, what are we going to talk about today? Well, the topic today is gluten sensitivity and celiac disease. And I'm guessing that the reason Dar chose me to host today's show Is really due to my two biggest fans listening Mm -hmm. back home. So I know I already said hello, but I want to say a big I love you this morning to Riley and Marissa, and I'd like to dedicate this show to them. For those of you who haven't heard yet, my four year old Riley was diagnosed with celiac last September. This was after four years of struggling with unresolved reflux, and it was after four years of chronic antacid use. And when we got to the point where those antacids weren't helping anymore and all the doctors wanted to do was dose him up higher and higher, I finally said enough is enough. And by that point, I had experimented with a lot of different remedies. I had been taking him to the chiropractor regularly to help with the, the heartburn. I had eliminated milk and cheese. I dosed him up with a good bacteria, but it wasn't working. And probably on a subconscious level, I knew I needed to address gluten but I also knew it was going to be difficult in the beginning anyway. When nothing else was working, though, I finally said, okay, I'll get him tested. And I went through Entero Lab, and we're going to talk a little bit more about them. But I went through a lab called Entero Lab down in Texas, and it came back positive for celiac disease. And it also showed an allergy to dairy, all dairy mm. products. And I'm going to let Anna talk a little bit more now about Entero Lab and the kind of testing they do.
0: Yes, and we use them pretty much readily with all of our, with most of our clients anyway. Right.
2: And I felt really confident because Dar, yep. I knew had gotten her grandkids tested yes. back when they had some, when they had issues, yeah. definitely.
0: And so, and like Cassie mentioned, EnteraLab Lab is a laboratory out of Plano, Texas, and. Really, it specializes in food sensitivities and allergies, and so they they do it through a stool sample because it's much more accurate than doing blood work. Right. So, um, so they they test for dairy, gluten, eggs, soy, and yeast. Um, and I think they're coming out with more, but not for sure yet. We so don't know the date. Yet. We don't know the date yet. Um. So, but they, it's really easy. You basically. You know, um, send your send, money. Yes, yeah, send your money, and they <laughs> Fork s- over your dollars, <laughs> Fork over your dollars, and they send you a kit, and you and basically... the kids think it's
2: hilarious because you get to poop in a bowl. <laughs> exactly, my kids just so laugh. we catch it. <laughs>
0: yep, and then you send it back, and you find out the results. And Cassie, how
2: long did it take for you to find out the results? It was exactly four weeks to the day. Oh, and really? they say in their literature okay. it will take up to four weeks, okay. and I think they're just so busy that it takes. Yeah, it does take that all long of four sometimes. weeks. Okay. Yeah. Right, no- yeah. And so we did that with Riley, he had to poop in the bowl and it was mm-hmm. so easy. You know, they like you said they send you the kit, yep. you do it, you just tape it up and then you call UPS and they come pick it up for you. nice. Yep. And then it gets um flown so that it gets there overnight. But once we got Riley's positive results back, we of course had the family tested because that's always recommended with celiac disease mm-hmm. because it is genetic. We went through EnteroLab again and his sister has the exact same diagnosis. And I found out that while I don't have celiac, I do have a gluten intolerance or gluten sensitivity. And for many of you, it's probably the first time that you've heard of this Entero lab that we're talking about, but if you have some symptoms and you'd like to know the hard facts, I do encourage people to consider them. They're becoming more well-known and respected, so just you know, keep your ears open. In fact, I just learned that one of the local celiac support groups on the West Coast is having Dr. Kenneth Fine, who's the medical doctor that heads up in Lab, they're having him speak at their upcoming conference.
0: Nice. Yeah. Well, Cassie, now that you've told your close connection with today's topic, um, I'd like to let the listeners know a little bit about my connection. Um, I do not have gluten intolerance. I definitely know I'm sensitive to it. So for the majority of the time, I do stay away from it. Um, But my mom has severe Gluten sensitivities. Um, And she's, I would say, um, she's been dealing with this for at least five years. So, and it it all happened, it all started with like a peanut allergy thing um, in like her mid forties, you know, and she's in her fifties now. And it's just, it was crazy. And I'm like, you need to go off gluten. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then my, my youngest Genevieve, she also um, has issues with gluten. Um, She's had eczema Probably since she was four months old, mm-hmm. um, and and so she doesn't, you know, she doesn't, and it flares gluten. up, and it flares up if she, if I, if she gets too much. So yeah, I definitely know that's a culprit. So,
2: but you guys probably just knowing what you know, you know, being married to a chiropractor, <laughs> yeah. just being more all natural, you probably weren't ever doing a ton of gluten no. anyway. Exactly, which yeah. is good for everybody. I mean, I think. Gluten intolerance or not, celiac disease or not. We eat too much gluten in this country. We do, and it's in everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so like we're saying, the symptoms are so varied when it comes to gluten sensitivity and celiac disease. I mean, you look at Riley with his gastroesophageal reflux from day one. Rissy, his sister, was an extremely colicky baby. And now, having you mention (laughs) Genevieve's um, eczema, it reminds me that at one point, and this was before we had gotten Riley tested or anything, Rissy got the awful eczema on her hands and just itch, itch, and scratch, scratch. And I blamed, at that time, the daycare lady's food. (laughs) And so I'm like, you know, I don't want to offend you, but I'm just going to start packing Rissy's meals. And she knows. she's My daycare lady is a sweetheart, but she's the first (laughs) to admit she has the junkiest diet in the world. Um, And you know what? But it it cleared up. And maybe because just how we ate in general was less gluten. But I bet... Yes. That was a piece of her celiac. And
0: my mom, when she, we finally figured out that gluten was the piece, she would tell me she would get these nasty red hives and just itch everywhere. I'm like, oh my gosh, so it doesn't just does have to be in the gut area. It can yep. be in different, different types of symptoms.
2: That reminds me of a client that I recently saw back, you know, return a follow-up, and I had taken her off gluten, and one of the things she said to me is, I'm not waking up anymore with scratch marks all over my body because she itched so bad. bad. And that was just one of the many symptoms. But she'd be scratching herself at night, you know, and hardly realizing it. Definitely. Yep. Until you wake up. Right.
0: So, but symptoms run the gamut. And both celiac disease and gluten sensitivity, they can cause these range of symptoms. And when clients ask me the difference between the two, because there is a difference, definitely, Mm -hmm. um, I first kind of like to tell them that whether it's celiac or gluten sensitive, you have to get the gluten out. Yes. It is paramount because both scenarios can cause a lot of damage if left untreated. Um, but beyond that, the difference between celiac and um
2: um just a because, sensitivity. Yeah, just a
0: sensitive and it's just a sensitivity is it's an actual autoimmune condition, okay, or disease. And every time you ingest one of the gluten grains, Your body basically is attacking itself. Right. Yeah. And specifically, your body attacks the lining of the small intestine. And that's why most people with celiac disease have all the malabsorption and all these other things that happen because of it. Right. Um, And so this could lead to a lot of bad health effects over time, some of which are intestinal cancer Mm -hmm. and other multiple autoimmune diseases, which could, you know, MS, uh, you know, Rheumatoid arthritis, colitis. colitis, all these nasty, you know... Type 1 diabetes. Yes, exactly. It could trigger that response. So on the other hand, if you have a gluten sensitivity, like Cassie does, um, every time you eat one of the gluten grains, your body attacks the gluten as a, or a virus or a bacteria, and this basically can lead to even more damage to your system.
2: A lot of damage. And that's why I say the same as you do, Anna, that, you know, at the end of the day... There is a difference, and Anna just explained it, but at the end of the day, the bottom line is you need to get the gluten out. Now, when Mm -hmm. I went through Enterolab, I also had my intestinal absorption tested. I was severely malabsorbing. In my mind, I would have thought, well, how can that happen to me? I'm not attacking myself like my kids are. I'm attacking the gluten. But I think it must have just been all-out war in my gut for so many years. This has just been trying to battle it from... That it just wiped every good thing out, and now I'm not absorbing nutrients. Right. Um, I bet we have to take a break. Kyle's giving me the signal. (laughs) So... Stay tuned because Anna has some real interesting facts. Remember, I told you she's a walking encyclopedia. (laughs) She's going to tell us about the benefits of consuming coconut oil when we come back. back. And specifically, she's going to talk about benefits for the brain. So do stay tuned. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, a company bringing you cutting-edge nutrition information. If you have questions for us today about celiac disease or gluten sensitivity, please call us here at the studio, 651-641-1071, and we'll be right back.
1: Dishing Up Nutrition has listeners in San Francisco, Miami, International Falls, and Billings, Montana. Whether you live in the Twin Cities or across the country, nutritional guidance is as close as your phone. Nutritional Weight and Wellness offers phone consultations for people at a distance or too busy for office appointments. Would you like to increase your energy, lower cholesterol, or resolve digestive problems? Here's how phone consultations work. First, complete a health history. Next, discuss your health goals with a nutritionist. Then she creates an eating plan for your biochemistry and lifestyle. You make the time, and Nutritional Weight & Wellness provides the plan and support. Make the call from the privacy of your home or office and get nutrition expertise from the people you trust. For information, call Nutritional Weight & Wellness at 651-699-3438. Outside the Twin Cities, call 888-805-8954, toll free. Or go to weightandwellness.com.
3: Hey, well,
0: welcome back to Dishout Nutrition. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Anna Durhock, licensed nutritionist, and I am here with Cassie Weenus, registered and licensed dietitian. And before we went to break, Cassie mentioned um, that I had found some really interesting research about coconut oil and its benefits on the brain. And um, when I came across this, I was astounded. But um, the research was done by Dr. Richard Veach of the National Institutes of Health. And this was done in or published in 2004 about how medium chain triglycerides found in coconut oil are beneficial for the brain because they're an already source of energy for our neurons or what we call brain cells. And specifically, if glucose isn't available because our cells have become insulin resistant, um, then that can actually stop and somewhat reverse the process of Alzheimer's disease.
2: Isn't that crazy? That's awesome. So I mean, and I love coconut oil. So hey, I'll just start eating it out of the jar. I guess <laughs> that's right. You know, it's funny because I I know some of the other benefits of coconut oil. This one was new to me, Anna. That is really interesting. Yeah. But um, so I bought some and was trying to incorporate it in different areas. And the kids will not eat eggs if it's cooked in coconut oil. Really? Riley will say, "Mama, what's that stinky smell?" <laughs> oh no, <Isn't> that' funny. <laughs> but I love coconut, so I love the smell. Yeah, yep. But there is a deodorized one.
0: Yes. But I'm trying to remember it's what it's north. called.
2: It's up north. The Wilderness wilderness Family or something. Is that what it's called? Oh, but if anybody I've really wants to know, call me at the office later yes. today because I think I have it written down. But I have a client that was buying it because she didn't like the smell either. Yes. So when you're talking about this research and helping reverse the process of Alzheimer's to some degree, how much coconut oil are we talking about to see those types of benefits? Well, Dr.
0: Veach was saying a therapeutic dose would be two tablespoons. And they've okay. tested this in cli- in patients. They just need a bigger study group. Obviously yeah. more research money. So Yeah. Yeah. But, hmm. yeah, two tablespoons per day. So eat, eat up your coconut oil. Pulling
2: mine back out. Just make <laughs> sure it's unrefined. Yes, unrefined. So we have a couple of callers, so let's go to line one with Patty. Patty, welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. Thanks for listening.
3: Oh, thank you.
2: You had a question about pets and gluten?
3: Yes. Um, as I was listening, I've been uh, just going back and forth with a five-year-old uh, mini Australian shepherd I have who just really since... since uh, She was very young. She just seems to always have loose stools, and, you know, I've changed some dog foods, but I'm wondering if the gluten could impact a dog like it does a human.
2: You know, I am so not a dog (laughs) expert, but I happen to know that it absolutely can because these conferences that I was at earlier this month, Gluten Intolerant Group Conferences, one of the gals who was a speaker, she gets up in front and starts to tell her personal story about a couple of her family members and herself— that are gluten intolerant and how they found out. And then a year later, their dog starts to have some similar symptoms, takes them to the vet. And he says, have you ever heard of gluten? <laughs> and had her remove it from the dog's diet. So I'd be interested to hear what Katie Canine would yeah, say about <laughs> that question. If I'm sure she's heard of it, but I would absolutely try to get the gluten out. Now, how you're going to do that? I don't know if they make a, a pet food. Do you have any idea?
3: Boy, I you know I don't know, but as I was listening to your show, I went well. I know I should be calling Katie K, because you listen to her show, but it was listening to you that kind of spurred my thoughts to kind of go that route. Like, yeah, you know, maybe that's as simple as that. Because when I brought her to the vet. You know, he says, well, there's nothing wrong with her, but, you know, not all vets possibly
2: are up on Yeah. Right. I think it would have to be more of a, I don't know, homeopathic, naturopathic type of vet. And there right. are those mm-hmm. out there, but mm-hmm. that is one dog question. I do know the answer. And since then, because I've been telling <laughs> this funny story about this gal that took her dog off gluten, one of my clients said, oh, yeah, mine too. My dog has gluten intolerance, and I took it off gluten. So I bet if you Google it, there's some information. I don't know if you're going to have to cook your own dog food, but... I think it's worth a try. Thanks for oh,
3: what a great idea. And yes. if it works, I will call you back and report.
2: Oh fun, oh, please thanks, do. <laughs> thanks okay, a lot. Thank
3: you. I really enjoy your show.
4: Thank oh, you. Bye
2: bye. Okay, let's take Stacy on line two. Stacy, welcome to the show.
4: Thank you. Stacy.
2: Did you give up gluten and you had a question about that or
4: No, actually I just wanted to kinda of give a testimonial for people out there who might be like thinking, Would it work or is it worth it? And I just wanted to say that it is extremely worse giving it up if you have any symptoms whatsoever it totally changed my life
2: oh that's what we love to hear and that's you, what that's, that's what listeners what people need, need to hear, to hear. Yeah. yeah so did you have the typical symptoms like well i had them for 17 years and oh.
4: never got diagnosed so i kind of yeah. diagnosed myself just by listening to you guys and listening and just oh. reading up on the internet and just yeah. decided i'm giving it up and seeing if that works and it did so i had i had migraines I had um, diarrhea where I couldn't even... I wouldn't even eat at work because I was afraid I'd get sick. Wow. Oh. The stomach pains, just, I mean, just feeling, never feeling good. I felt like I had the flu for 17 years.
2: Oh, you just didn't even know what it was like to feel good. Oh, and then anymore. when I
4: did, it was almost like I wanted to cry every time yeah. I talked about it because it was like a whole new life. Oh, right. and you can cry. Yes. I still <laughs> cry sometimes when I talk about it. <laughs> oh, Now I can, I can go out and have, you know just go out and enjoy life I was like almost homebound because I didn't want to go anywhere
2: yeah and it's not that hard is it once you get into it
4: you know it's not because I hear that all the time people are like well isn't it difficult I hear it's like the most difficult thing to do and nowadays I mean I go to grocery stores where they actually put like little red dots on everything that's gluten-free exactly so I don't I mean I still have to read some things but a lot of things are already done for you and if you research it or just go on the internet and look there's you know, Target, Cub, they're all starting to carry things.
2: Absolutely. Yep. Super Walmart, all of those places. Right. So it's
4: not as difficult as people think. And I liked food, and I liked pastas and spaghettis, and I don't really miss it because the way it makes me feel, it's not even worth it to me. Right. So if people are out there wondering, I mean, I like breads, but when I look at a bread and think that's going to make me sick, it's not even worth eating. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, oh, you just made the whole show. Yes. Oh,
4: well, thank you. Thank you for calling in, yes, Stacey. Thanks really so much. It helped out yeah. a lot, too, knowing that, what, you know, I listen every week, and it just, every week I learn something new. So thank you very much.
2: And thanks thank to Dar, because so this yes. is her little baby, this radio <laughs> show. So, again, thanks for listening. Oh, that, I just, you know, that's what made me a believer, was listening to the radio show and hearing callers call in. Yeah. Because for a lot of people that are used to conventional wisdom, we talk about a lot of stuff that's kind of a one eighty. Yep. From definitely. conventional wisdom. So but yeah, just like Stacey was saying, really, and, and we've both, you know, had experience with gluten free, it's not that hard once you get into it. And, you know, we never went out to eat a lot before the diagnosis anyway. But when we do want to go out to eat, it's a whole lot easier today than it was even five or six years ago restaurants are are much more in the know a lot of them are anyway so you know wow we're almost at the half hour mark i (laughs) wish we could talk all day about this show because we'd absolutely have things to say but being that we don't have that luxury i i just want to make sure anna that we leave listeners with at least two things first Mm -hmm. of all that they know the importance of not waiting until a biopsy of your small intestine or a blood test shows celiac, which is kind of what Stacy was saying. Same, she yep. figured it out herself. Yep. By the time you wait for some of those more conventional diagnoses to show up as celiac, you've created so much damage that it might be really hard to yeah, heal. Exactly. And secondly, I want to spend the majority of the next half hour talking about all of the things that you can eat if you have found out you need to go gluten-free. I really want the listeners who are gluten-free or know they need to be walk away today with some new ideas and some new recipes to keep both nutrition and great taste in their meals.
0: Yes, and it's it sounds great. And to address the first point of don't wait until the intestinal biopsy or the blood work to show up because, again, it might take years for your intestinal tract to be so damaged to where it does show up like that. Right. So, um, and, you know... We have been saying this for years, but Dar has been saying it for decades, you know, just try it for four weeks. Right. Just try getting the gluten out and see how you feel. Um, But for those of you who like to have the research, (laughs) in 2001, the Journal of Digestive Diseases and Sciences um, published research stating that there needs to be a revision of the criteria that are used to diagnose celiac disease. Mm-hmm. And the conclusion of this research article states, um, quote, there is much evidence to suggest that celiac disease develops gradually from muc- mucosal inflammation to crypt hyperplasia um, and then finally to overt velus atrophy. OK, so what all that means in yes. layman's terms is that basically if you don't want your the good absorbing cells of the intestinal tract to become flattened, which is what happens in gluten sensitivity and mm-hmm. intolerance and celiac disease, then you you then you want to catch c- it early. catch it early, exactly, just how, what we've been saying. so mm-hmm. um, and then they they go on to say the present diagnostic criteria for celiac disease currently requiring a def- definite velus atrophy, again, that flattening um, are in need of revision. Right,
2: right. I mean, yeah, in a nutshell, it takes way too long to diagnose it and you've done a lot of damage. damage. And so, and think of that, that was nine years ago that that research was published saying we need revision Revision. of these criteria and nothing has happened yet. And when I was at um, these, well, it was the Gluten Intolerant Group National Conferences earlier this month, Dr. Joseph Murray, who specializes in the celiac research at Mayo in Rochester, Minnesota, he presented research at this conference showing that the average period of time from the onset of celiac to the time it is actually diagnosed is 11 years. Oh my gosh. 11 years. You know, and Stacy was a g- a, good example. a good example, 17. Yeah, averages are made up of extremes, so she was at the, you know, the 17-year-in, but who wants to let their system be damaged for 11 years or 17 years? Before they finally get that official diagnosis. Right. You know, as Anna said, there needs to be a revision in the criteria for diagnosing celiac. Now, in the meantime, due to my personal experience, and this is just a personal recommendation, I really recommend EnteroLab. They're more accurate than what is currently out there yep. in terms of the conventional testing. And I know we did have one person call in wanting to learn more about how you can find out more about Enterolab. You can simply go to their website, and it's just enterolab.com. So E-N-T-E-R-O-L-A-B, enterolab.com. And you can learn lots of information, and you can print out um, the order form on there and simply fax it in. So everything you need is really on that website.
0: And, I mean, while...
2: Oh, wow. We need a break. I'm not even looking at Kyle. (laughs) Thanks. Um, So we're going to break. I do want to let you know about a great class that we have coming up before we head out to that break. And it is sort of related to gluten sensitivity because we talk all about intestinal health in our gut reaction class. It's two hours long, very interactive Um, it's coming up in several different locations. And for sake of time, I think we're going to let you know those locations when we get back from break. So if you have questions, 651-641-1071. So welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I
0: am Anna Derhals, Lacey's Nutritionist, and I'm here with Cassie Munis, registered dietitian. And Cassie mentioned before our gut reaction class, um, and I'm going to tell you that the the dates and the times. Um, we have one in White Bear Lake um, on June 24th at 630. 30. Um, and then in our St. Paul office, that's on July 6th at the same time. And as well in our Wisetta office on July 8th. So if you're having intestinal issues and you're not sure what they're about, they definitely could be related to gluten intolerance. Yeah. So, that's um, a great class. And they might not be, but you probably figure it out by the, yes, the exactly, by the end of the two hours. Yes, exactly. By the end of the two hours. Um, and then we also have another great class that we're offering this summer called Managing the Blood Sugar Roller Coaster. And this is going to be held in our White Bear Lake office on June 21st, which is, what, that's, is that oh. Monday or Tuesday? It's coming it this weekend. T- Tuesday.
2: Because, Tuesday. yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm
0: so bad without a calendar in front <laughs> of me. Look at your calendar <laughs> so, if you're at home. Yes, look at we your think calendar. it might be Tuesday. But it is this week, so it should be a great class. And I like to mention it, especially when we're talking about Going gluten-free because there is a ton of processed gluten-free things out there, products, and that could really start to screw up your blood sugar, causing more cravings and more intestinal inflammation.
2: Yep. So So this class would teach you how to balance all of that out, whether you're gluten-free or not gluten-free. It's a great class to balance your meals. Yes. We need to take a caller. She's been waiting. Stacy, thanks for waiting. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition.
3: Hi. My question is about um, the difference between a gluten intolerance and a yeast, a uh, candida yeast overgrowth. Um, how are they similar and is the treatment the same?
2: Um, oh, and I love having Anna, the, the <laughs> master's in nutrition. You take that
0: one, Anna. Okay. Well, Stacey, um, there can be, they're, they're very similar and a lot of times. uh, Celiac disease can cause a yeast overgrowth. And sometimes the yeast can cause a gluten sensitivity. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would say the treatment is very, or I wouldn't say treatment, but, you know, the the, protocol protocol would be to cut the gluten out, definitely the gluten grains. And then also um, the sugar is the biggest piece with yeast overgrowth. Um, But then any type of like um, fungal components too. Peanuts and cashews would be out. Mushrooms. Mushrooms, you know. But those are the biggest things. I would definitely really watch the sugar and really, you know, keep the gluten out of the diet for a while.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And see. And then Lots you could always, when you start and, to feel better, yep. you could always introduce a little bit of gluten back in and see if and you see tolerate if it, that yes. fine. Um Yeah. 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 You know, when you think about baking bread, you often add sugar to feed the yeast. And it's the same if you have yeast overgrowth. Every time you eat sugar or white flowers, white flour. because they turn to sugar, you're yep. feeding that yeast and it's multiplying. Does that help? Yes. Does that makes sense. Okay. That was a great question. <laughs> yeah. It's just thank not you. a clear cut answer. Yeah. Thank you. And Thanks, now Ceci. we have Nancy. Nancy, welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. You had a question for us?
3: I did. Um, I'm just wondering, my mom seems to have her eyes run, like almost like pour out of her eyes, watery, mm. Mm. and her nose, and it seems to be more often and frequent, and I just wondered if that could be gluten-related, or I know she has a problem with sugar, too. <laughs> mm. But mm. I just wonder if you had any thoughts on that.
2: It could be. <laughs> or it could be yeast overgrowth. It could Is be that where yeast overgrowth. Um, I suppose
0: it could be dairy intolerance. Yep, and I know... Um, with the watery eyes and things like that. I know Sjogren's syndrome can be related to, to gluten intolerance. Um, So, but I would say the yeast might be more of a problem with the watery eyes than the, you know, than the dried out. Maybe
2: start there that maybe it's yeast overgrowth. So, you know, probably the same as we said to the last caller, really (laughs) trying to convince your mom to kind of (laughs) get the sugar out. Mm -hmm. And then also, I mean, it's, it's really pretty critical. Don't you say Anna to add, a supplement a of good, good bacteria yes. because while you stop feeding the yeast, you still have to, in some shape or form, start to grow good yep. bacteria and you can't grow something from nothing. So yep. we generally recommend that you find a pure strain of what's called bifidobacteria okay. when you're first starting out and maybe maybe take one in the morning, one in the evening when you're beginning that regimen. And then try to cut back on the sugar. And from my own personal experience, just taking the bifido helps you start to lessen those cravings. And then it gets a little bit easier to start cutting back on that sugar. So it kind of helps in that way, too.
3: I take acidophilus every day. Is that basically the same thing? or?
2: No, another difference. good bacteria, <laughs> but am I right, Anna, in saying that acidophilus resides more in your stomach? Yes. So if you're trying to target yeast overgrowth, that's in the small intestine, and 70% of the good bacteria in your small intestine is bifido. Yes. Mm. So both good for you, but just do different good things. Different functions, yes. Yep. Great, thanks a lot. Thanks, Thank Nancy. you. Okay, I think that's all. Oh, no, 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 no. Mm, should, we better just keep going to college because right, how frustrating right. is that if you're sitting online? So, Wendy, you had a question for us.
5: Yes. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Thank um, you for listening. I'm calling about my daughter, who's 14, and she has had stomach issues for years and,
3: mm-hmm. uh, you
5: know, always running to the bathroom. And we've never been able to get any sort of diagnosis um, you know, I'm just wondering where I would start with some of like my career. You know, I have always kind of thought maybe it was a dairy intolerance, but where would I go to to start with her?
3: Okay. See,
0: How old Wendy? is she? fourteen. Fourteen. Wendy. She's fourteen. Yeah. I would. You know what? You I say would, your piece, and I'll say mine because <laughs> I have an idea too. <laughs> okay. I would. I would get tested. I would definitely get tested. That's what I was going to say.
2: And I've been there. You know, to play around with things with the kids, it's so hard. And to say one day, okay, we're going to cut dairy out for a while. And then if it's not helping, then the next day, yeah, then the next day you're cutting something else out, and they're looking at you saying, you're crazy, Mom. I, You know, before (laughs) I came, before I had to get my kids tested or chose to, I thought Lab was too expensive. DAR was always recommending (laughs) it. And I thought, okay, well, that sounds good, but... I'm not going to bring it up. They're already paying to see me, and then I'm going to tell them to go spend another couple hundred with this company. It right. is worth every is worth penny because then you have it on paper, especially when you're de- dealing with a child. Because then you can show yes. it to them, you know, at and that a teenager, age of fourteen, for that matter. Yeah, and say, you know, this is it. And if you keep going down this road, you're going to continue to damage yourself, and like we said, maybe end up More with problems. intestinal cancer or other diseases down the road. So, right, I well, would go yeah. to enterolab.com.
5: And then, will they te- do? You have to specify what you want them to test for. Or yep. Do they- yep. Okay. You, when you print out the, the order, order form, forms.
2: it 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 describes. You can just do the gluten, or you can just do the dairy. We chose okay. to do the package, which was gluten, dairy, and they tested for malabsorption issues, so that I knew how much healing we had to do. You can do right. soy. You can do eggs. But I would at least, wouldn't you say, Anna, start with gluten and dairy gluten if dairy. you don't want to spend, Definitely. you know, all of your pennies. Yep.
5: So, when then you get, you do the test or you get your results, and then are they able to kind of guide you on what you need to do? Or at that point, then would we come see somebody like you to kind of guide us through the process of how to live with this condition yeah, or
2: whatever? Yeah, I don't think they do a lot of guiding, and it's almost like reading a legal document when you get it back. So, <laughs> yeah, probably you'd want to um,
1: come wanna, see somebody yeah. at our
2: office if you get some positive results back, because we certainly have a lot of knowledge in both gluten and dairy-free.
5: Okay, good. Well, thanks. I appreciate it.
2: Thank you so much for listening. Oh, Callers, stay on the line, but we need to take a break before Kyle (laughs) butts in on me. Um, So our last break, if you've been adhering, though, I just want to let you know, if you've been adhering to a strict gluten-free diet already and some of your symptoms are still present, I am always learning. So Anna was telling me that there are a group of plants which contain a similar protein to gluten but it's a protein called lectin. And this protein, lectin, can also produce some of the same inflammation and some autoimmune-type responses that gluten can in celiac disease. So stay tuned because Anna's going to tell us what types of plants have this specific protein in them, and we'll be right back. You, down,
1: Welcome back down. to Dishonate Nutrition. I am, day. Day. I am Anna Jay Hawk,
3: licensed nutritionist, and... I am here this morning with Cassie Wieners, registered
0: dietitian. And Cassie mentioned before we went to break about a certain class of plants that can actually cause similar symptoms to celiac disease. Um, They contain a protein called lectin. And this class of plants, I'm sure some people are aware of, are called the nightshades, which would include bell peppers, eggplant, tomatoes, and white potatoes. Um, And there's been some research, so I'm just going to share it. and then we will get on to our good foods for gluten-free. But Dr. Norman Childers, retired professor of Rutgers University, discovered this link between nightshades and autoimmunity when he was actually diagnosed with diverticulitis, which is an intestinal um, disease, Mm -hmm. at age 50. And after eliminating the gluten, he started feeling better, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't feeling um,
2: as 100%. Yeah, 100%.
0: And so he cut out nightshade vegetables as well. And... After that, his diverticulitis symptoms and even his arthritis, like osteoarthritis symptoms were gone. That's amazing. Yeah. And so I just thought, and then he, you know, he did other, um, and then he did this whole trial with other people with just severe arthritis yep. who stuck to a strict gluten-free and nightshade shade-free diet. 94% of them had complete or substantial <laughs> relief from their symptoms.
2: 94%. Wow. That's huge, isn't it?
0: Yeah. So, I mean... I don't know. I thought that was awesome. And Dr. Childers is still symptom-free, and he's
2: over 90 years old. Wow. So one more thing to consider if your (laughs) symptoms are not resolving, that maybe it's the tomatoes, the white potatoes. Yeah, Yeah, the peppers. Mm. Interesting. Um, Let's take another caller, and then we probably are going to give some of our great ideas for gluten-free meals. But we have, let's see, Cynthia on the line. Cynthia, welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. Hi,
3: guys.
1: Hi.
3: Hey, hi. Hey, um, we have a little girl, and she was diagnosed almost two years ago with celiac disease. So it's great for her, you know, catching it when she's quite young. She's,
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
3: But my, here's my question. My husband and I both were did the blood test because, you know, we know it's primarily genetic. Um, and neither of us came up with it, which I guess is good, but I've had tummy troubles kind of all my life. And I wondered, do you... Do you think it would behoove me to like insist on a biopsy? No. Or no, okay. No,
2: because they're not very accurate either and it's a painful process. process. Okay. I think yeah. you should give up gluten for 4 weeks. I mean, we can do anything for 4 weeks and you're probably giving up a lot of gluten already with your daughter in the house. Yeah. yeah right? Have. Eating gluten-free, but really be strict about it. Make that commitment to yourself for 4 weeks. See if the stomach aches go away and if they do, I'm 99.9% sure. Yeah. You have celiac or gluten sensitivity. I mean, yeah, yeah. You, okay. somebody's got to have the gene there of the two of you. Well,
5: that's what we thought.
2: Yep. You know? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Great question, though. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Okay. Well, so I had so much research here. <laughs> I mean, like I said, Anna, I build DAR for all this time I spent putting <laughs> this together, but we're not going to get to it all. And that's okay. What we do want to get to, though, is some ideas for eating gluten-free. Now, typically, a breakfast in America is really heavy on the carbs, yep. and carbs usually mean wheat and other gluten grains. So what do you do for breakfast that's that's not packed with gluten? Packed with gluten.
0: Well, um, I have done the typical, and this is one of my mainstays, but scrambled eggs with broccoli slaw and goat cheese. Um, and then, so
2: do you put the broccoli slaw in the pan? Yep. I
0: saute it first. I love broccoli slaw. Yeah. And then I just scramble up the eggs with it. And then I put the goat cheese on after it gets done and it melts. Oh, it's so good. Numb. Yeah. Another thing I do, which I actually did today, (laughs) and this is so Some people are going to say
2: you're weird. And I am weird, but
0: you know what? People love this. Um, and it's, it's our, um, muffin tin, um, meatloaf recipe and it's easy to make gluten free. Yep. Um, and that's what I had this morning. Because um, you just had leftovers, yeah, right? In I had market. leftovers because I didn't feel like eggs, and I'm like, I can have meatloaf. Need some protein. Yeah, and then I had um
2: some yogurt and blueberries with it because I'm not dairy-free. So, Perfect. I mean, it was great. Perfect. Yeah, and when I do muffin tin meatloaf, because when I first... Um, started making that recipe, we didn't have the diagnosis. So I just do it as is. But now I just use um, UD's bread. Yeah. And I saw that. Yeah. That sounded great when yeah. I, you mentioned that. So, right. Cause it calls for a cup of bread crumbs yep. and I just, about one piece of bread does it of the UD's. Yep. And that is, um, it, well, it's getting to be carried more and more. It's spelled UDI apostrophe S and it's Fairly recent. I think that brand came out about a year ago and it's okay. better than anything else on the market in terms of a gluten free bread.
5: Gluten free bread. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, that's good. So this one again it's called Yudie's. Um, don't overdo it on the bread because still it's made from flour. It's gonna turn to a lot of sugar. But for something like the muffin tin meatloaf, um, every once in a great while I'll I'll buy it. They're smaller pieces of bread and do sandwiches. But again, we really try not to do a lot of bread. But Coburn's has it, and most of the cubs are now carrying it in their oh, yeah. natural section, and most of the co-ops have it. So it's getting to be pretty readily available. Awesome. But I love the eggs with the broccoli slaw. That one I'm going to try. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like to do unconventional things, too and something my little guy who is gluten free likes is ham roll ups. Oh yeah. That's his favorite breakfast right now. I I egged them out. We did eggs straight. <laughs> I am not kidding every day of the year for a whole year and now they won't touch eggs. Right. But so I take some um nitrate free deli meat mm-hmm. and he prefers the ham but you could do turkey or you know whatever and spread some good mayonnaise on there. Full okay. fat mayonnaise, roll that up. And so he's got his protein, he's got his healthy fat, and then he usually has some apple chunks, he calls them, I just the, the wedges or a half of a banana or some type of a fruit with that. Right.
0: Um, and then you know, there's other things you can do too. I've I've done um, a like a corn um, tortilla and made like a like a burrito with that, and I oh, yeah. you know put scrambled eggs up and put it in there, or even just diced up ham. It's really good. Yeah. Yep.
2: Num. Yep. We did do that a while back. Like back, like a breakfast burrito. Put some. Yes. We usually put some beans in there yep, too. Yeah, beans, the like beans and salsa beans.
0: Yep, exactly.
2: Num. And I do have to let everybody know. I did have Corey put a new recipe up on the website. Yes. So if you think you've seen them all, there's a new one up there as of a couple of days ago. It's one that I tried at the gluten intolerance group conference oh and i wrote down what it's called it was so it was like a pecan cranberry delicious. chicken salad wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, wild rice cranberry pecan salad um it was so tasty and i'm going to be bringing it to the next summer barbecue i'm invited to but very tasty gluten free and it's up on the website so that would be great um you know for a snack
1: mm-hmm,
2: or as a side dish anything like that oh can yeah. you believe i'm watching the clock And it's stressing me out. You can't see the clock. (laughs) I like that seat better, I think. Mm. Um, But, you know, when I think of what do we want to say here before we wrap up, we've given a few ideas. You know, if any of you have taken the six-week weight and wellness series, that Dishing Up Nutrition Guide is about 80% gluten-free. And and all the recipes tell you how to make them gluten-free if they're not. Right. Right. So they'll give you substitutions if they're not gluten-free. But I do want to say, too, if you are feeling overwhelmed, maybe because you think you need to give up gluten or you've been diagnosed, do consider a visit with Anna or myself or any one of our other five nutritionists. We are well-versed, aren't we, Anna, in the whole gluten-free thing? We are. And,
0: you know, gluten-free cooking and gluten-free living, across the board, it doesn't have to be difficult. You're going to need support. And when you first venture out, it's just a different way of life. So...
2: 651 699 3438. Yes. Come call us. Call um us. Remember, gluten can be the problem, removing it can be the solution. The good news is the choice is up to you. Have a great weekend. Yes. Thanks for
1: tuning in.